this week our country looked back to the defining moment when 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence. They recognized that the Creator, Almighty God, was the giver of rights. They declared by this document that every single person was created equal and that our rights do not come from a king, but these rights come from Almighty God. It was a declaration that had never been authored before, wherein they decided that they would rely on providence, the hand of God, to protect our land. Some years later, our founding fathers wrote in the Constitution the Bill of Rights. The First Amendment begins, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. There was to be no official national religion, but there was to be freedom of religion and not freedom from religion. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights all show that our founding fathers forged a nation under God. And we are here on this day to declare our moorings that we were not a nation that randomly just came into being, but there was a definitive declaration that at the center of this new nation would be the creator of the universe, God Almighty. It's amazing that for 200 years, the Supreme Court begins each session with a proclamation, and maybe this is prophetic, God save the United States and this honorable court. If you were to visit Washington and the Washington Monument, from the very foundation all the way to the capstone, there are many, many references to God. The capstone on the east side has these Latin words, laos deo, which simply mean, imagine in Washington, the Washington Monument at the top on the capstone. Can't remove that, can you? And it says, praise be to God. I don't know whether that's the highest, tallest building. Maybe it is in Washington. But we are letting the secret out that the Washington Monument was not just to Washington, but it was a uh, declaration, praise be to God. The uh, incredible memorial 
that uh, Jefferson Memorial was an incredible memorial to this great man. And there's an inscription in the portocol that says, God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? If we go over to the Capitol, we find in that Capitol some words by Calvin Coolidge, the 13th President of the United States. And it says this, the foundation of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. This nation was to be a nation unlike any nation in the world. One nation, one nation under God. And we know that the greatness of our land is the fact that God is at the center. And that we not only sing the song, God bless America, but we live the life that says we bless God. Because when we bless God by deciding that we are here as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are here to establish within this nation a kingdom. This is the kingdom that is invisible, but it does become visible when we see God do his miracles. And we have been planted in the United States of America. And there are millions of people trying to come to this nation. And in this church, we have almost every nation represented. And we have come here. But let us remember why we are here. We are here as followers of God. We are here to stand in confidence that there is a kingdom, and that kingdom has no end, and that we are a part of the kingdom of God in establishing this righteousness on earth. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach. To any people. Our nation, as we all know, has gone farther and farther away from God. However, on this morning, we are not without hope because we remember that the church is the hope of the nation. And that we are to be a city like a city on a hill. That we are to be the light. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop. And Jesus says to a crowd that day, you, you, and he says to us today, you 
are the light in Altamont Springs. You are the light in Winter Garden, in Okoy. You are the light in Kissimmee. You are the light. And then he gives us this watch out verse in verse 16. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them. And then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. We hide when we're silent. We hide when we don't speak up. And the other voices become louder, like the voices against, against life. And the voices become louder and louder. And we hide when we're, we're not willing to stand up for what is right. We don't stand up for what you think is right and I think is right. We have one measure in that what is what God says. And we are courageous in our culture. We are not submerged somehow, hid in the corner, afraid to stand up. Someone may disagree with us. We're not concerned about those that speak. We are for what God is for. And that's why as a congregation, we do not shy away from the truth. No matter what anyone says, we declare what God says. We are to be a place of love, a place of grace, a place of truth, not condemning, not religious, not judgmental, not legalistic. We're not mean-spirited, but we are a city on a hill. And I like what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, because we have to know who we are. We can't allow our past to define our future. We can't allow the enemy to speak into our minds which he does on a daily basis. And he tries to tell you who you are. And he tries to get everything before you that would make you cower so that you live somehow submerged in this guilt or ambivalent kind of a life. And today, we're declaring not what we say, but what he says about us. Because we have to know who we are if we're going to be the light and be a city on a hill. Peter, who tradition says he was crucified upside down, he writes these words. And these are not like casual statements. And he says, but you, you are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. 
And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. The Reformation, which I love to study about the 16th century, and, and Martin Luther kicks this off in 1517, and there emerges out of that a, a direction back to the Holy Scriptures, but out of that comes this understanding in the middle of this Reformation, and it shook the nations of the world, and there's this revelation of your priest. You don't go through a priest. You don't go through a pastor. You don't go through him or her. You don't go through a fortune teller. He says, you are a priest. And as priest, you are able to have direct contact through the mediator, Jesus Christ. And we need to see ourselves as priests. Revelation 1.6, it says we are a kingdom of priests. And that means that we have the sense of authority. We have the sense of command in the spiritual realm that we are not victims and we're not a soccer ball to kick, be kicked around. We're priests. And Peter, who gave his life for Christ, he said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can just see him just like going off the chain and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute, what are you guys thinking about? We are, we are chosen, we're God's chosen treasure. And then he says here that we are to be kings. As kings, we are to rule. Romans 5, 17, everybody still here? Get a little fired up here. Verse 17, death once held us in its grip by the blunder of one man, Adam. Death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah, Hey, by one man, Mr. Adam, we're all out. But by one man, Jesus Christ, he said, now, be cool. You're in the grip of grace. You got a different look on your face. And now, your terrain you're not a spectator. You're not watching life go by. You are reigning in life. You're a king serving the king. And you are to reign. Don't allow the enemy to reign in your life. I don't know how many times the enemy tries to stop what God wants to do. I studied late Tuesday. It was getting late. I, I didn't feel good about where I was going or all of a sudden I stopped. I closed my Bible. I, I said, I can't get it tonight. I'm coming back tomorrow. And I sat at my desk, all the enemy 
fights me, so trying to get me off course, and I'm reaching and waiting and waiting, and people are praying, and I'm pressing in, and I sit at my chair, and I say, I'm going to get this word, and I'm not going to get part of it. I'm going to get every sentence from heaven, and I'm going to get it. And I'm sitting there, and God says, go to 1 Peter 2. I got a word in verse 5. Go over here to Romans chapter 5, 17, and talk about reigning, because you can't be the light of the world if you don't know who you are. I want to remind you, I'm in a fight too. The only guy just get up here and, oh, Alex, he just gets up there and goes. Are you in a fight? Yeah. Well, I'm in a fight too. Now we're, we're fighting, but we're fighting to win. And we do win. And I declare a winning spirit over you in the name of Jesus. Get up and stop giving in to the enemy. Don't let him rob you of your inheritance. Watch what you're listening to. If it's not in line with his plan, they're all lies. Expunge them. Stand up. Get up tomorrow morning. Get your Bible out and give him a... Grace. God's unmerited. Undeserving favor, divine enablement, caught in the grip of grace. You can't even say the word grace without smiling. And what this culture needs is to be exposed to God's grace. Philip Yancey, one of my favorite authors, wrote in one of his books, and he said, our culture can do almost anything. They can feed the poor, clothe the poor. They can do many things. The government can do many things. But he said, there's, there's one thing they can't do. He said, they cannot dispense grace. And this morning, in the 11 o'clock service, we have grace on tap. And I hope you're drinking. And I hope you, amen. Hallelujah. 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 We are the church. We are a city on a hill. I guess it's been about a year, year and a half ago. I had this thought after reading John chapter 1 of how a number of people went out and looked for or found one person. Jesus found Philip, and Philip found Nathaniel. And one morning, I thought, 
What would happen in our parish, in our church, if everyone found one and that particular person was able to love them, care for them in a very natural way, mentoring them to be more like the person they're following who is Jesus. We've had a underground movement in our church to focus on one. I heard the story, Pastor Dave, who is over New Life, and all these people were baptized. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for all these people being baptized in water. One day, not too long ago, he was at a businessmen's meeting, leaders luncheon, and spoke. And there was a young man there, Francesco Seravino. Pastor Dave happened to invite him to one of our celebrations. He responded to the altar call, gave his life to Christ, was baptized in water, and now is actively involved in working for Christ. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for your ministry. And Sanchesco is somewhere. Stand up, Sanchesco. Is he here? He's right there. And Jerry Jordan is ubiquitous. She is everywhere. She grabbed one of the girls in our church a long time ago, Cindy Jenkins. She pulled her close in a new day now, helped her work through all kinds of things, shift her away to a God encounter, and God literally changed her life. Now, Cindy goes with Jerry up to Ocala, and they go to a prison there. And she is working and mentoring a young girl called, her name is uh, Pamela Wilson. She had not had any visitors but one in six years. And thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Jerry. Stand up, Jerry. Jerry's over here. Cindy. And then Jerry grabs somebody else, Lynn Shank, through A New Day Now. Got her all mentored and maturing Christ. And then Lynn started this small group. And then Lynn affected Edith Zabo and brought her in. And now she has a small group. And in fact, Edith was, uh, has done Hungarian translation for our church. So Lynn is here, stand up. Edith is here. Jerry, stand up again. Come on.
Then Alex and Paula Regino come from Brazil, and they check the whole city over, and they land here. And they were pastors in Brazil, and then they have their small group. And then recently, they had a couple, Kevin and Telma Bonnell, who they have now been discipling in their small group. And Alex and Paul, are you here today anywhere? Uh, stand up, stand up. And uh, Kevin and your team, Kevin, stand up. And this couple right here, come on, give them a nice thank you. So what can happen, what can happen is that we could be seeing in our, our church a significant shift, and in that shift, we are working our way to something we have never seen in the history of our church. We are moving into the dynamic of a great awakening, a great awakening, and I believe in Orlando and I see 100 churches of 25,000 that every individual begins to stand up and know who they are, and then they are commissioned to go out and to be a city on a hill. And after a while, what is happening in Asia where, or in El, El Salvador, a church there of 105,000, or these churches of 100,000 or or as Dr. Cho's church, uh, 880,000 people, and they're all over the city. And, and what they have done, they do not have a different Jesus. But what has happened is they have, they have risen up, and they begin to see themselves as not an attender, not as a looker. They stand up, and they say, I'm destined, and I'm called by God. I'm commissioned by heaven. Who's your one? They may be sitting next to you, may be the guest, and they may be back in the back room just coming to Christ. This is our moment in history. And I see, I see what I don't see. We don't live by what we see. Because faith is the confidence that the things we hope for will actually happen. It's the assurance of the things we cannot see. Because you have to see it before you see it. You have to act as though it exists before it does. Because if you only see what you see with your eyes, you are not walking in the dimension of God. Because faith takes you where you cannot go because your eyes are dim. Before you ever go where you want, need to go, you first have to see you have to become a seer. You have to begin to declare, I've not been called to be normal. 
I've not been destined to be ordinary. There are no ordinary people in God's kingdom. And most of all the people that he chose, everyone else had overlooked. Gideon was not on the radar of the big leaders of that time. He had everything against him. His heritage was small, insignificant. God has a way of putting his hand on those that are feeling insignificant and destined, giving them a destination that leads to their destiny. In our shift going forward, you will need to change your perspective of what you see about this church and what you see about yourself. You have to stand up and you have to say, listen, I am called, I am chosen, I am a priest, I am reigning as a king, I'm a dispenser of God's grace, and I will not back down. I will not step into the background. I will be a part of the greatest awakening in the history of the Christian church. And God has chosen our nation to be a part, our church to be a part of that in this nation. And we will not settle for something insignificant. And I'm believing every single person in this church, if you're called here, will say, I want to be a part not of church in the sun, but of an Acts 2 church that rises up and that power of the Holy Spirit comes down. And then we get into community and into homes and into apartments and, and we hang out and we eat together and we build community and everyone in that community becomes the light in that community. Small groups are never established in this church going forward for the light of the light. That is not their purpose. Ultimate purpose is every single group that is in a neighborhood, they are the light of that neighborhood. And we are declaring that our church is now reaching out like we have never been done before. How this happened was a miracle. Last year sometime, some lady called, said she wanted to meet with me. I said, I don't know her. She said, no. Next morning I got up, and the Lord said, you know that lady that called? You were supposed to meet with her. I said, oh. And I met with this girl, Tamara, Tamarin Clintworth. And I said, oh, my God. This lady is like Jesus being there, and I'm like, oh, my God. She's taking Africa. I don't know how she got our number, 4484 John Young Parkway. And she came here, shook us up. I don't know how Judy did this. She's flying in from South Africa and going to be here in a few weeks on a Friday night at 7 o'clock. And this is not for our church. It's not for our church only. This is for our city. This is not for all our women to come together, a thousand or more. That's not what we're doing. We're not doing that anymore. This is for us to bring someone 
somewhere that everyone has someone that needs Jesus. Because this lady gives a fierce. My altar calls are like baby altar calls. I mean, she gives like, oh my God, the Christians want to get saved. And this is for high school students. This is for college students. This is for, for everyone, girls only, no men. They won't even let you on the property. They'll have guards out here. Well, I'll tell you, you get, you get and I'm believing for 1,500 women here that night. When you get the women rumbling in power, it's all over. And I'm going to ask everyone to pray for that night or women pray for that night, that it will be great. Remember, this is not, we used to do that in our church. All our women are coming together. That's not what we're doing. It will include our city. This is a shift in our church. And everything we do, we're having a small group, is for the city. Because we are a city on a hill. And you need to register your children and see the concierge. I don't know what this happened. Dr. Jim Morocco, who I'm on with Dr. Cho in Korea, started a church in Maui. He's flying in here in a couple weeks. He's going to be here in this pulpit. Started this church in Maui, and I spoke there many years ago, 1998. And they are in a massive revival. He's established churches all over the world. And this guy, he gets up. They have a prayer meeting almost every morning at 5 o'clock, and he's at that prayer meeting. And every time I'm with him, he got the power of God all over him. And God is getting us ready for a move of the Spirit. With this, I close. One night last week, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I don't remember a lot of all was going on. I only remember these specific words. And it was something like this. I will pour out of my spirit. And that line was going through my mind when I woke up in the morning. I sensed the spirit saying, I want you to live repeatedly in Acts 2.17 where the Bible says, this is what I will do in the last days. This is what God will do. And he says, I, God, will pour out my spirit on everybody. And what is going to happen in our church? We are about to be inundated with a move of this pouring out 
Because when you have a pouring out, and the pouring out is coming from heaven, and God is the initiator, and what he is pouring out is the Holy Spirit. If I have a glass, and I have a pitcher, and the glass is full, and I try to put something in, there is a pouring out, but there's not a receptor. If I am so full of my problems, and I'm overwhelmed, I'm a believer, but it's like I'm living on my own in my own strength, and I'm full of myself. I can be in a thousand services like this. It will pour out, but it won't come to me. But when I open my heart, and that's what happened to me Tuesday night. I was so desperate, like, God, have you left me? What have I done? What's happening? Please, hour after hour. But then the Lord says, now... You think you can't do it. Now I'll pour it out. I hate that. What have I done, Lord? I'm not hearing. What's going on? Silence. And when we get real desperate, that's when we're empty. And when we're empty, then... He can pour out, and he can fill us up. And when he fills us up, he doesn't fill us up to capacity. He causes an overflow. And the overflow is for everybody else. Being filled is for me. So I have to be so full when I come up here that I'm full and running over. And as I run over, those around me get it. So, if I'm to be a city on a hill, I've got to have an overflow. I've got to have the Holy Spirit flowing through me. And I have found that that happens when we pray. I've been really praying about our church, really praying, really praying. And when I pray, I hear the Lord say, more prayer, Alex, more prayer, more prayer in the church. Because when we pray, we move mountains. When I go over there, they have, in Korea, they have an all-night prayer meeting every Friday night. I've been in those prayer meetings. The building seats 15,000 people. And they start to pray at 7 o'clock. And the more they pray, and over there, they have these sessions. And they'll say, okay, we're going to pray. Dr. Lee will say, we're going to pray. And everyone in the place lifts their voices. When we were there in May of last year, we were in one of those meetings. They started to pray. We were sitting, Judy and I was sitting on the platform. And it was like the Holy Spirit went through that place. I thought, this is as close to heaven as I'm ever going to get on earth.
because you could feel the power of the Holy Spirit. And when, when the power of the Holy Spirit begins to move, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like the download of the Spirit of God. That's our future. I was sitting down here a few minutes ago and I was remembering my mother, my dad. And I was thinking about all the prayers they prayed for me. And the Lord said, all those prayers are still working that they prayed years ago for you. Because our prayers are always active. You're praying for your son. All those prayers are still active. Your mom may be gone. Those prayers are still working on you. Because prayer moves the mountain. We're going to close here in a second. I do know that God has given promises to each one of us. He gave me a promise on August, on February the 14th, 2016. He said, you will be a part of the greatest awakening in the history of the Christian faith. And I keep that promise before me. I keep saying it. I don't know what promise he's given to you. Hold on to that promise. Declare it today. I want to ask everyone to stand and no one to leave just for a minute. Everyone stand. Would you lift your hands? Our promise still stands. Lift your hands. Put down the lights. Come on, sing it together. Come on, sing it.
still in your hands. amazing how God stands always ready to help us and all of us have gone so far in the right wrong direction and gone down a path seeking something that we thought would make us happy and fulfilled only to find we're caught in the maze of guilt and shame. There's nothing like living with that shame over your head when you wake up in the morning and feel like something's wrong. And the grace of God somehow reaches us and Jesus reaches out a hand and doesn't judge us. He just says, I've got better for you. I wonder if we could see the face of Jesus right now. I, I can tell you he would have a smile and he would, he would be that loving, forgiving Jesus that would take us. He'd probably say, don't talk right now. We'd try to explain and he'd say, don't, don't talk right now. And he'd wrap his arms around us and he forgives us of our sins. I've watched for many years many thousands of people, some of them hardened criminals, and I've seen Christ change their life. And the miracle happens in one prayer where we're not only forgiven, but he makes us righteous. That's the greatest miracle in the whole world. In a minute, we're gonna just count to three, and maybe you're here and you say, hey, listen, pray for me, I wanna be forgiven. We had so many at the nine o'clock service. And all you have to do is say yes to Jesus, because your heart wants Jesus more than you know. And your heart is drawing you to Jesus. And on this cross, the cross of Christ, he took our sins. You have the right to be forgiven. He has pardoned your sin. Maybe you're here, you knew, knew the Lord right now. You're somehow mixed up you're on the wrong path. You know the way. But come back and experience Jesus. Jesus. Don't leave without Jesus. Feel there are some couples here, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. You need to come together. And this will be the most profound thing you'll ever do in your life to say yes. 
When I count to three at the end, you just throw up your hands. Say, I want Jesus. One, two, three. Throw it up. Put it up. Put it up all over the building. Yes. Put it up. Yes. In the back over there. Put it up. Put it up. Say yes to Jesus. Do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. Don't think about it. Do it right now. We're going to ask everyone that raised your hand, walk down the aisle. Just stand here for a minute. My wife's going to come give you a big hug. Come right now, wherever you are. Come. Come on. Come right now. All with the building. Come on. Come on. Come to Jesus. In the balcony, come down. That's it. Come right now. Yes, over here. Come. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus.
there are two couples that God is speaking to you and you know it and you come right now and you give your heart to Christ. There are two couples in this church and you're standing here and you need to fully give your life to Christ and your relationship will not work and you'll try to work it your whole life, it will never work without Christ. Marriage never works the right way without Jesus. And there are other people that you're away from God, felt like there's a minister here, and you're into some stuff, and you've given up hope on yourself. Christ has not. In the name of Jesus, I declare every person in this room that needs Jesus walks down this aisle. And we're going to wait right now in the name of Jesus. We're going to wait for a minute. We're going to wait for a minute in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We're going to wait right now because somebody's son or somebody's daughter is going to come to Jesus right now that hasn't come in the name of Jesus. I want every Christian to pray. Stop the music a minute. Stop the music a minute. I want every believer in here to pray for those individuals like it's your son or your daughter in this room and they need Jesus. Our Father, we pray in this room that the people that need to come to Jesus will walk down this aisle and have the courage to say yes to Jesus. I come against every lie that says, do it later. No, get out of the grip of evil today, and I break the stronghold over your life, and I command the enemy, his power is broken over your life. Get out of your chair, walk down here right now, and give your life to Christ. Do it right now. Go ahead, Clay. Where are you? Play a little bit, Austin. Boy, there's some, somebody here. God has such a big, I don't know whether you're going to be a John Wesley, but there's something big for you. And that's why the stronghold says you're not going to come forward, but you are in the name of Jesus. Sing that song one more time. Sing it one more time. I'll sing a hallelujah. Praise a hallelujah. Come on, everyone, join together. We're going to wait just a second.
Even the lights are saying amen. amen. Hallelujah. I wish you could see what I see. A lot of people touched by Jesus. Now we're going to pray. You pray this prayer, all of you. I'm glad we waited and all these people came. And uh, just pray this prayer. You that are online watching, you can pray the same prayer. And if you didn't come, pray this prayer. I'm glad we took just a couple extra minutes. Aren't you glad just as people come to Jesus? So we're going to say this prayer, and then Pastor Dave is here and going to slip to the side for a couple minutes, going to give you a Bible. And uh, this is a powerful prayer, and pray it from your heart, and just put your focus not on how bad you've been, but how good Jesus is. Let's say it loudly. I love the devil to hear he is a loser today in this church. He is a loser. Say this together. Jesus, I put my faith in you that you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And he is alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Give me your grace, the gift of righteousness, and eternal life. You prayed that prayer from your heart. You're in the family. Welcome home. Welcome home. Come on. Come on. Let's pray.